The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Alrighty, welcome to issue 233 of Super Skull. It's your weekly new Comic Day Audio Digest. This time for the week of May 1st, 2019. Alrighty is a thing that I never used to say until Marcus Schwimmer... That's me! ...said it on this podcast four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. He used to introduce the podcast, and he would always come in and he would say, Alrighty! And I thought, God! Damn it, that is an unpleasant thing for somebody to say at the top of a podcast. And now it's worked its way into my everyday talk. There you go. Marcus Schwimmer, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Curtis Sullivan's also here. <laughs> What's up, dudes? Curtis, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. It's like a Marcus worm got into your brain. Yeah. A little tiny Marcus. A Marcus worm got into my brain about four and a half years ago. And today we come to the end of that era. This is Marcus Schwimmer's last show, his last episode of Super Skull. That's right. And I hope if I can if I can put two words into your brain forever. Yeah. It's alrighty and rattled. Like alrighty it, and rattled. Rattled. Like, oh, are you frustrated? No, I'm rattled. Rattled is a word that other people use as well. But alrighty and the way that you say it yeah. I is uh is definitely it's a unique thing. It's like to a you. it's like a greeting. It's like a greeting. Which is strange because like if you're you know, I always think of like, you know, Ace Ventura. Alrighty then. Yeah. Is that Ace Ventura, right? That's yeah, all... act like you don't know that it's Ace Ventura. The... Yeah, it's Ace <laughs> well, Ventura. Yeah, you know, it's that one guy, Jim Carrey. The pet dick. But it's not a greeting. Marcus is like, if it meets you on the street, he would say, all righty. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's a, a, a fun way to get the conversation started. Oh, my God. That is the worst <laughs> possible way to frame it. But yet, I say it alone <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll house. just be in my house. Be like, oh, all righty. Make a and dinner Like, or as I'm getting ready to do the next thing and just, like, thinking about, all righty. <laughs> to myself. Yeah. And yep. literally, the first time I heard you say that, I thought, man, I wish he didn't say that with a microphone turned on. And now it's with you forever. And now it's with me forever. We're going to do uh, a podcast mm-hmm. uh-huh, for the last time with Marcus. And we are, it's, we're going to do a classic episode of Super Skull. We're going to take it back to the roots. We're going to take it back to the roots. We're going to do a little in the news, as is our want. We're going to do some big picks. We're each going to tell you about the best thing we read this week. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a surprise. And then we have a whole bunch of listener questions to take us out. Listener questions sent in specifically from Marcus. Thank you to everyone that sent in a message to Marcus and to us for Marcus's last show. Yeah, thank you so much. Means the world. Shall we do the thing? Let's dance. We, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Let's do some in the news. Hey, Free Comic Book Day is this Saturday, the 4th of May. Yeah, may the 4th be with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just went right there, huh? I did it. Do you think that joke is very funny? Hey, but it's it's a true, it's a holiday. It's, it's the Star Wars Day. It's May the 4th be with you. It's just, I don't make the rules, Nick. Not only that, what's it's also Free Comic Book Day. What's Free Comic Book Day? Uh, comic shops all over the world team up with publishers, and uh, they give everyone millions, tens of millions of free comic books. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. So this year we got 50 choices at our shop and most shops 
are going to have that same stuff. So seek out your local comic book store. They're probably participating. I can just show up at a, at a shop, uh-huh. and I can just take as many comics as I want. Whatever as, you as want. many of these hot little hands can carry. Mm-hmm. As long as I can get them out the door, I can keep them. That's right. No, that's not how it works, Nick. There's certain designated free comic books. Okay. And they're going to say free comic book day right on them. Uh-huh. But they're like a full-size comic book, so it's like a real comic book made specially for this event. So don't go to your local comic shop and just grab like a bunch of graphic novels and statues and stuff and go up to the counter and ask if these are free, because they're mm-hmm. not, and that sucks, and they're probably going to be really busy, so don't do that. Oh. What is the uh, biggest stack someone has presented you with on free comic book day, assuming that you were just going to give it to them? I literally had somebody straight up show up with 20 graphic novels. Yeah. 20 bound graphic <clears throat> novels at the register. And they brought them up to the register. And to, like, so you could give them a free bag. Yeah, they're like, can I get a bag for this? Or do you need to check them out or what? Yeah, how do I, what do I got to do? That was extreme. But some version of that happens every single year. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, I remember my first free comic book day, the the hardbound Kingdom Come special edition. Yeah, it was like 100 just, bones. Yeah, it was like 100 yeah. bones. And a dude just started walking out of the store with it. Yeah, just thought <laughs> thought that we we had just gifted it to him. Yeah, it's free this, comic book day, man. Free comic book day. It's free comic book day. But besides that, it's a pretty cool day. It's a super cool day. There's a bunch of people come in. It's a cool way to like be around the energy of peak comic shop. It's a cool yes. way to be around a bunch of people that that all want to be in one place. Marcus just spilled coffee on himself. Horde. Was that coffee or was that tea? It's ginger tea, but last last cast. Last cast. Got to get it all out. Just get it all out. Just dump it all over yourself. Get that sweet ginger smell in the studio. I wear the... What was I saying? <laughs> it's a pretty cool way to like see what a comic shop is like at full-blown peak comic shop. You can see... In our case, for our shops, it's literally thousands of people, but probably at least hundreds of people coming through. That was a humble brag. Do you see how I did that? It was Worked very it right humble. In. Maybe for yeah. everybody else, it's just a few hundred. For us, it's thousands. Millions. You know, it's We're so busy. It's you know, crazy. It's no big deal. But for, in general, you get to see a shop that's packed full of people that want to be there, people that are curious about the thing and they want to check it out. They're getting free stuff, so everybody's in a pretty good mood because yes. that's pretty cool. There's usually other stuff going on. There's people in costumes. There are things happening around the shop, little activities and things. Maybe the neighborhood comes together and helps celebrate the thing. If you've never been to a comic shop, it would be weird if you were listening to this podcast. But if you've never been to a comic shop, or if you know somebody that's never been to a comic shop, this is a pretty cool way to kind of share the thing with them and show them like, hey, look what this can be. Yeah, and even if you're a regular and you haven't been to free comic book day, don't miss it. This is a holiday at comic stores. I mean, people are in costume. And like you said, the excitement level is just so palpable. I love free comic book day. People are so juiced. There's typically a line at comic book stores. People don't care. They're excited. They're hanging out with other fans. Uh, it's just what the whole thing is about. It's really, really great. Yep. If you're into it, you can be around a bunch of people that are also into it. And if you're curious about it, it's a good way to introduce yourself to the medium. Talk to other comic fans. It's one of life's greatest gifts. Yeah, that's that's usually true. <laughs> most of the time, it's awesome. Yeah, we'll say that most of the time it actually yeah. is awesome. So Free Comic Book Day is Saturday, maybe. It's always the first Saturday in May. Every year. Depending on when you're listening to this, this is a pointless thing that you're hearing. But it's it's right around the corner, even if we're past this the next one. Just look forward to the next first Just Saturday in May. look forward to the next one. It's the first yeah. Saturday in May every year. This is not a commercial for Free Comic Book Day, by the way. 
Sounds like it. I'm just saying free comic book day is cool. Yeah. Regardless of where you celebrate it. You could celebrate it alone. In the dark, at home, in your tidy whities That would be weird, I guess. You can't really celebrate it alone. That's kind of lame. Because you can't get any free comic books alone. You can make your own comics and then read them for free. You can make your own comics and then give them to yourself. Yes, they... that's what I'm saying. That's the workaround. <laughs> perfect. You can celebrate it alone. It's the perfect holiday. Shall we move on <laughs> Let's... to the next thing? We have some numbers. Would you like to hear them? I would. I'm so excited to hear the numbers. I know it's your favorite segment, Nick. So well, let's let's do this thing. Well, cue that funky music up. How do the numbers look? How did they look, Nick? I'll tell you. They look pretty good. We're looking at March of 2019. 13.1% up over the same month of March 2018. Woo! That's very good. 13% up is pretty good. Yeah. That's real nice. It's a beefy month Comics for comic were up, books. Uh, 15.82% and graphic novels were up 6.35%. That's pretty good. So we're looking at a year-to-date growth rate of 7.64% over 2018. Uh, that is nothing to sneeze at. We're of course comparing against a very bad year, but these are strong gains, even on a, even on a bad year. Indeed. You know, the other thing that we should note is that DC uh, beat Marvel a little bit in market share this month. Is that true, Curtis? They did. So they they I think market share still went to Marvel overall, but dollar share, DC made more money than Marvel, which is pretty nuts. Hasn't happened. Uh, I mean, I think we're talking all the way back to two thousand. 17 since the last time we saw a month where DC beat Marvel in either category. I was trying to think about that. Has it been that long? It's been a minute since Rebirth is the last time DC took uh, either one of those metrics. We can lay a lot of the the blame for that at the sad feet of Batman because Batman had his 80th anniversary over, sure did. over the month of March. So we're looking at, in the top 10, we have Detective Comics number 1000, The Batman Who Laughs, number one, Doomsday Clock number nine, which only has a little smidgen of Batman, but Batman nonetheless. Yeah, he's somewhere in there. Batman number 67, Batman number 66. Hey, we're just lousy with Batman in this, <laughs> For in, sure. this in this top ten here. Uh, and I think Detective Comics number 1,000 is what we're going to chalk a lot of that, so, of, of at least DC's market share Absolutely. For, for the month. It's definitely. a 9.99 book, and it sold uh, close to 600K in initial orders. So that's that's not counting reorders even, so... Looks like uh, Detective Comics, Curtis is uh, a liar. It sold 526,941 copies. There you go. Curtis. Hey, I like to exaggerate a little Curtis, bit. Curtis, $5.26 million. For one of, book. For one book. That's pretty good. That's a lot of money. Marcus, what do you think? As you leave the podcast, yeah. and as you can stop pretending to be an expert in the comic oh, book industry. can't wait. Finally. Yeah. Much to everybody's relief. What uh, What is your takeaway? You've been watching these numbers for four and a half years now. Mm-hmm. What's your takeaway? I think I think my takeaway is is that we are still, as an industry, stuck on big characters. It hasn't really been since like the Miss Marvel jump that we've seen a new character spike into the top ten for quite a while. Well, we're gonna have to unpack that a little Let's bit. Let's unpack it. I'm here to unpack anything you want today. So you're saying <laughs> that the these numbers, because the numbers that we're seeing Pretty much month in, month out. Month in, out, month out, baby. Are the top selling stuff is usually mainstream comics. And not only mainstream superhero comics, but really your like heaviest hitter, most recognizable superheroes. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that it's mainstream comics. It's it's so character dependent. Mm-hmm. So like this month we had Batman Who Laughs number one. 
that's a new Batman title, right? So it's not a pre-existing Batman thing. But just because it has the Batman on it... He's the best. It sells over 100,000 copies, ends up in spot, in spot number two. Mm-hmm. You know, and every month, at least, I mean, in the general perception of what I've seen on my, my time here, it's those big hitters time and time again. You have the occasional breaker, mm-hmm. which is your Miss Marvels, your Spider-Gwens when she first came out. These are, these are characters that will break into that top ten for a little bit before they kind of go back to their resting spot. Well, because what it indicates really is that people that are buying Detective Comics 1000, you can sell a bunch of copies of those books to people that are, are never going to buy a comic. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. There's a speculator market to it, There's for sure. There's a speculator sure. market. There's also just a thing of like, oh, Batman 1000, that's cool. Whether that's you're right. going to sell it or not, you might yeah. just, you're going to sell a certain number of copies. Also, people are going to buy multiple copies of that book. Right. No, there's a curiosity around that release. Or, yeah, just going to get some regular folks into a comic shop. Because our jump from number two to number one this month is from 133,000 copies sold to 526,000 copies sold. For sure. Right? And I, I would be curious to know, like, how much do you actually think that is people who are not tuned into comics coming in to buy Detective Comics number 1,000? So this is what I'm saying. So, And then you have Doomsday Clock number nine, which is a long-running, very dense... Uh, DC book. Super continuity heavy, super, yes. you know, very like fan. enriched in the lore of yes. DC Universe in general. And then you have Batman 67 and 68 or 66, yep. which are the 66th and 70, 67th parts of a long running ongoing arc from this like particular dude that's writing Batman. Like that is all speaking to comic book fans which is kind of a brittle place to be in the long run, which is what we saw last year. For sure. Because as soon as those fans decide that they're not excited about what's happening in, say, Batman right now, sure. then you have bad months. You have bad sales months. So, yes, I agree with you. It would be cool to see, I mean, in a fantasy land, to see that top ten made up of like a big, broad range of single-issue right. stuff that like half or more of which had nothing to do with superheroes. That would be healthier probably it would absolutely be healthier you just be able to weather the storm a little sure bit. right and you you have something happen like uh marvel legacy where you know they're they're switching things up we're getting characters that are brand new take you know amadeus cho is hulk who what is character? jane foster who takes over thor you know and then there was this giant comparative to the industry that we're dealing with backlash because people didn't like mm-hmm. that they're like their traditional superheroes were getting taken away so i think it would show a healthier industry if it was spread out a little bit if if batman had a bad month if dc had done something to upset that core fan base because i'm going to disagree with curtis a little bit i don't know how much of that five hundred and twenty thousand detective comics is people coming in who aren't already into comics and people who aren't buying every variant cover and every, you know, buying multiples. Just, you know, throwing it out there, anecdotally, I definitely saw folks in the store that were there as a curiosity. But, to your point, there was definitely tons of customers who bought every single cover. Right. All 12 retail release covers. I I sold multiple people a stack of the same comic. Uh, So there is that. Now we should say that they did... A bunch of covers for this book. They so sure did. Detective Comics number 1000 had how many variants? I mean, at least a dozen. So in the normal retail channels, it was a dozen, yeah. right? But then there's exclusives all over the place. I think the total count with exclusives all over the place was like 29. Have we ever gotten so a, a lot of answer covers. as to whether these sales numbers include the sales of those variants? I think with this one, they, they may, but I, I don't know for sure. Just right. because they were all order what you want. These were not what they call incentive variants. So a lot of times variant covers, you got to order a certain number of something to get 
the variant. We right? won't get too far in the weeds either. But the point yes, is, is yes. that like that is a very big number. A book selling five half a million copies. It's huge. That's a huge amount of comics. But to your point, Marcus, all of the books in the top ten this month, they all speak to dedicated comic readers. There's really not very many books without with the exception of that one anomalous book that sold a ridiculous amount of copies mm-hmm. that are probably going to anybody just like, oh, I wonder what's going on in Batman number sixty seven this right. month. Right. A hundred percent. Which, you know. It would be cool to see a more diverse, more healthy market. But that being said, I think anytime we sell 500,000 copies of a comic, there is a a reason to celebrate there. For sure. And we see that diversity in the graphic novels, the top five graphic novels for the month. This is a great point, right? So, uh, yes, that that core single issue market, I don't know if we're ever going to see that change very much as the market transitions more and more to graphic novels, right? Mm -hmm. And not superhero stuff. You know, not to say that that won't always exist, but yeah, go ahead, Nick, lay us some of these, the numbers on the graphic novels. They're totally different. So we have Walking Dead, volume 31, which again is a dedicated comic reader thing. You know, we have uh, Detective Comics, 80 Years of Batman, Deluxe Hardcover Edition. We have Saga, volume one, which is just month in and month out, always in the top five, it seems yep. like. Um, we have Monstrous, number one, which has been doing really, really well for a long time, The New Wicked and Divine. So a lot of saga books. Uh, I'm sorry, a lot of image books, four image books and one DC like deluxe hardcover. But we should also note these numbers are tiny in comparison. So the number one selling volume of the for the entire month of March is Walking Dead volume 31. It sold 11,000 copies, 11,701 copies. Mm-hmm. That is not where most of the even the sales of Walking Dead volume 31 are going. I imagine a lot right. of that is going to the book channel and it probably makes this number look a lot smaller. Absolutely. For sure. I bet you more than the lion's share of that number is in the mass market. Yeah, because by the time we get down to Saga Volume 1, we're at half of that number. We're at 6,000 copies, pretty much. And to be fair, Saga is six or seven years old. So it's, sure, it but, is a, a, a consistent seller, but... But we want, I think for a healthy market, we want some stuff to push Saga out of there. It says something if Saga Volume 1, which has been out for years, is still in our graphic novel top 10, mm-hmm. right? We should have new, healthy, exciting books coming in there and pushing that book to a where it probably should be, you might be which is something. down lower a little bit. Well, maybe still at that 6,000 number because, uh, right, the we want higher numbers in that top 5, top 10 in general, right? Right, right. Yeah. The thing is, is like we talk about it all the time, like Saga was a fundamental book when it came out. I think there are a lot of books out right now that are just as good, if not better than Saga. But the thing that that the industry, the thing that I would like to see the industry put some money into and put some effort into is marketing those books to people who don't read comics. Like East of West Volume 1 should be right up there with Saga every single month. But how do you get that information out to people who don't read comics to know, like, this is just as good of a book, if not better, right? Saga just happens to have hit that word of mouth um, moment. It's a lot more approachable than East of West is, for sure. Sure. Manifest Destiny number one could be up there. It's an, for you. For, for you, too. For a lover of nerdy his, alternate history oh, I think zombie anyone, books. I think anyone would love that book, and I think it would be a great book to be up there. But, like, we just aren't seeing... Marvel and DC have the marketing. They put out multi-million dollar movies every, you know, couple months. But I think if we're going to see these graphic novel graphic novel numbers get bigger, Image and them need to figure out a way to get people who aren't into comics to know that this stuff is out there. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the the 
problem of comics. Yeah, right. It's, I wish it was as simple as just saying do better marketing. Right. No, that, yeah, that, yeah, that is yeah. an impossible thing. Right. Yeah. Right. How do you get people to read? <laughs> period. <laughs> right. How do you get exactly. people to read? And then to get them to read books. something that they think doesn't exist or it, or think that you know is absolutely not for them. That is, it's it's a larger thing than just awareness because right. most people think, oh, I'm not going to read comics. No, it's, yeah, it's right. total pap, and I, I I didn't even know they were still making these. And that's expressed by these numbers. I'm just shocked. So we're looking. I mean, the number one selling graphic novel is eleven thousand copies. The number one selling single issue is half a million copies. Right. And that, you know, that's wild. Yeah, and by comparison, we talk about the best selling all ages stuff, you know, the latest issue of Dogman in its first month sold 120,000 copies. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's not even close. I mean, we might get lifetime sales of this Walking Dead graphic novels, uh, the latest one at 120,000, right? Right. So, Maybe. Right? Right. So, interesting. Those are the numbers. Those are the numbers. They were good. The final takeaway, though, it's a solid march for the comic book industry. It's a solid march. Bodes well. That's Q1 for the year, so, I mean, we're off to a good start. Yep, and that's uh, and we're up on the year. You know, we're almost 8% up on the year at this point, which is just what the doctor ordered. Although, your point's well taken, my dude, that we're... As we're showing these gains, we're just doing the same stuff over again. Right. We, we have they these big two publishers have found a way to re-excite the people that they need to juice in order to get as much money out of them as possible. And those people next year m- may not want to buy those comics again. In which point, the entire industry will feel it. That is a huge fucking problem. Yeah. Agreed. I just want to leave us on a real somber yeah, note. Yeah, thanks, Before man. It's fucking yeah. great. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Good fantastic. luck on your comic book shop, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Them's the numbers. <laughs> Shit. When we first started this podcast, we did Big Picks. Yeah. That was the whole fucking show. That was 90% of it, yeah. We would read comics, and then we would each talk about our top five favorite comics. That's right. That's all we did for like a whole fucking hour. For, a, for, a long, for like an hour, and we would yeah. just go around the table. It was unlistenable. And, you, and, then, <laughs> and then eventually we reduced it down to your top three comics, and then we just stopped doing it all together. That's correct. And now, I, for our la- for your last episode, what do you want to do some big picks? I would love to do some big picks, but I would like to limit us to each to one big pick. I think that's more than fair. You think after 233 episodes, you would learn how to not to crack that fucking uh, oh, no, bag and board open I, right into the microphone? I just wanted to leave that sound one more time. It's nice. It's nice. Well, I'm going to go first, because I want Marcus to go last. Okay. I just want Marcus to go last this whole show. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. It's his last show, Go Last. We want to give him the last word. Yeah. I think that's fine. So let's talk about... Can we talk about my big pick? Mm-hmm. You reminded me of Pee Wee Herman and Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he wants to talk about Simone's big butt. And anyways, this is not... This is too deep. Cut. Three, two, one, this. <laughs> no, no. I, I love it. <laughs> just, I'm trying to hold on to the reins with you, buddy. And I just don't know where you're going. We'll we'll wait if everybody wants to go watch Pee Wee's Big <laughs> yeah, Adventure and yeah, come back to the podcast. Let's do that. Let's fucking do it. We what, got time. What's the chair's name? It's Cherry, Cherry but he's oh, not, he's not you. in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, he's Cherry. not. That's no. a movie. I don't that's think I've ever show. seen it. You've never seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure? I don't think so. No, it's a, it's a good ass movie. So, like 32 Grammys. So. Grammys? Grammys? Daytime drama <laughs> Emmys. 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 That's what it is. It won a lot of awards. No, it's good. <laughs> it's good to know. 
I would have all this free time now that I'm done with the podcast. Yeah. So I gotta, yeah. I gotta fucking <laughs> fill it with fill it something. Up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I loan you the box set. It's fucking. Oh, I it's really wonderful television. Yeah, I believe it. All right. Can I do my big pick? I would love it if you did your big pick, Nick. Cool. Speaking of just like milking the big two and picking books right in the middle of massive runs. Yeah, the big thing about doing the big picks is we used to say that the rule was you always had to pick a number one. You had to pick a number one or it had to be something mm-hmm. that would like introduce somebody yeah. to the thing. And I feel like throughout the big pick history, I really tried to keep to that. Yeah. And you and Curtis would just throw that rule to the wind mm-hmm. whenever you wanted, except for when I didn't pick a number one, then I would get publicly shamed on this podcast. Well, you were, you know, typically wrong, but you know. It's yeah, fine. yeah. If you pick better books, I'm sure it would not have been a problem. I picked a zinger this week, but I'm very curious about yours. This isn't about you right now. Okay, I'm God, sorry. The whole thing God, doesn't have to be I, about you. It's right my now. last episode. I just want every second. I picked uh, Batman number seventy, which is the newest issue of Batman. That's nowhere close to number one. It is sixty nine issues away from number one, and it is Batman is not doing good. <laughs> You guys. He's having tough times. He's having a hard time. So he has been, uh, he got stiffed at the altar by Catwoman. Let me just catch you up on what's been going on with my man Batman uh, lately. Batman has been stiffed at the altar. Catwoman doesn't show up to the wedding. Ouch. And then Bane. He doesn't take it well. He doesn't take it well. Bane is basically manipulating him every which way, including possibly him getting stiffed at the altar. Bane's basically trying to like, break Batman down to his constituent psychological parts. Yes. He's trying to just, like, attack every part of who Batman is and trying to destroy him at, like, a molecular level. He's really obsessed with Batman for some reason. Man, he's mad at Batman. It's like he broke his back that one time, and that wasn't enough because his back got better, and now... Well, I can't break his back again. <laughs> so this latest, this is all part of this long-running thing. Almost this entire arc, in theory, is like, and this is a hundred-issue arc. It's pivoting around the idea that Bane has this master plan to make Batman bummed out, right? He wants to. He he's broken his back, and now he wants to break his spirit. Yeah, that's that. Mind. That is the cliche. So the latest attack, his latest part of this plan, is to trap Batman in a nightmare scape. And this has been the last, like, six or seven issues, or maybe even more. Yeah, he's, like, strapped in a chair. He's pumped full of, like, what is it? Is it Scarecrow venom? Scarecrow spit. Yeah. And he's being... Every issue is just about some aspect of his of Batman's greatest anxieties and fears and about him kind of wrestling with it in this nightmare that he can't fully tell if, his, if it's real or not. So there's an whole issue about his anxieties about being a father and how he, like, might be completely like fucking this kid up and might turn this kid into a crazy person one day or that's uh, Damian Wayne right and there's a whole thing about his abilities as a detective like his ability to like make deductions and figure shit out all of these his doomed relationship gets a lot of attention about how like maybe there was no way that Batman could ever get married in the first place that it was like just conceptually doomed from Jump Street every issue kind of dealt with some aspect of Batman's greatest fears and then issue 70 is when he escapes which we knew he was going to escape eventually of course and so did bane of course bane knows that he's going to escape and it turns out that even his escape is part of the plan to fuck with batman and the escape i'm going to spoil a little bit of this issue now please do i'm not going to spoil spoil it but i'm going to talk about it i'm going to spoil it you're going to spoil it jump ahead if you want but who gives a shit the escape is fucking scary yeah well, so and this is the this is where this the meat of this comic was, right? Is that Batman is so broken and fucked up from the psychological torture 
that ba- and, and this is exactly to Bane's plan, right, is that when he gets out of that chair to escape, he is unwell. So and, he gets he's he's strapped into this thing the, with this scare, scarecrow spit, and he has to basically like will his way out of it. And he wakes up in Arkham Asylum and breaks out of this chair. Right, exactly. And and he's so pissed. He's so pissed that he is doing things that are not cool. Not cool. I mean, cool. Batman typically will kick some ass and fight villains, and he's a violent yes. superhero, and he'll break somebody's arm or whatever the hell he's going to do. But he's not, like, sadistic. He's not over the edge, typically. Yes. This is a out-to-lunch, over-the-edge, frazzled Batman. Yes. It's scary. It's ugly. He's talking the entire time. Yeah. yeah. He's just, like, talking to these villains. He's telling them how this ain't shit to him, how he can't wait to punch the next one of them that shows up. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but he is... Out, like you said, he is dude is out to lunch he at is, this and point. He's into it, and the sense that you get is that all Bane is doing is just like very slightly bringing to the surface all of the these things that make Batman and Bruce Wayne like totally fucked up. Right, right. All of, by just a, a, exam, examining these anxieties, like all of this stuff comes from Batman. Right. It's not like he injected him with crazy medicine. He's no. like making him look at who he is and what he's doing. So he's like stalking the fucking hallways of Arkham Asylum. Like I'm not afraid of anything. My life is a nightmare. I can't wait to punch you as <laughs> right. hard as I can. And he seems to be enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably the most Batman has spoken, like almost across this entire run. Like he's saying so many words. Almost nobody else speaks throughout the entire book. It's just Batman, which is like also really unusual for a Tom King run where Batman has been like really, really terse. He usually is like pretty monosyllabic, right? For sure. And he's just unloading words and fists on everyone he sees. It's he, scary. Nick, you ever been in a fight? Have I ever been in a fight? Yeah, you ever been in a fight? Not really. Not really. Curtis, you ever been in a fight? A few times. A few times. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in the same boat. few times. Not too many. There's a big difference between someone who says like, hey, we're going to fight. You're like, all right, let's fight. Yeah. And someone who says like, I'm going to push your head into the concrete and drag it around for a little while. Yeah. I'm not going to fight that dude. Yeah. Right? Because you've, ta- you've made it very personal. Yeah. And that, that level of personal is not my favorite thing. And I'm, I'm going to back down every single time because you're crazy. Yep. Batman is beyond that. He's beyond the, I'm gonna, he's, he is making it 100% clear that he's going to enjoy beating the shit out of someone. Yeah. He's going to, this is his therapy. Yep. And this has always kind of been Batman's therapy, right? But it's not therapeutic. It, it is. Yeah. He, he is, he is fucked up. Yeah. My, my dude needs help. No, and this is the thing, I, and I think you touched on something really uh, right on. The Batman that Tom King has wrote in the last, you know, 60 plus issues is not, is different than this version that we see. He seems like he's cracked. He seems like he has ch- something has changed. Yeah, he's he's not. We're gonna fight. He's the next. Le- he's five levels up from that. Yeah, and it's really unsettling to watch this character, who's kind of been written in a totally different way up until this point, make that flip. And we've always kind of known that Batman could, yeah, make the flip. But Tom King writes it so well. I think it's just so interesting, and I'm. As I was reading this, I was having such a hard time thinking about how I can go back to reading any other Batman story after this. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm having a hard time thinking about how this can end and how it can end well for Batman and how he can kind of go back to, you know, kind of doing what he was doing and how he can kind of redeem himself after, like, all of this dark shit has come up. How do you put this genie back in the bottle? Yeah. It's like... 
this is a something's happened. So at a story level, it's like, how where do we go from here? I'm really interested to see where it goes from here. But also just like as a reader of superhero comics, like I don't know that I want to read another Batman book where he is just where we pretend that this doesn't happen at some point, which is the inevitable thing that happens in every single superhero comic. A new writer will write will take over and it will feel as if none of this ever happened. But we were all saying the same thing when Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder ended their run on Batman, right? Their their run on Batman ended, and we're all like, this is the most legendary run of Batman maybe ever. How can anyone follow this up? But I, and now, what I'm saying is I look at the character different now. Like, okay. I think about Batman mm. as a character in a much, in a, in a better, like, as a character, I think he's more interesting and has more depth. And I always like Batman. I got no beef with Batman. Right. But I think it's like there's more pathos and stuff going on as King writes it than I've ever realized before. The, the Snyder Capullo stuff was like, this was such a good run. How is somebody going to tie? it but now i'm like i don't want to see this character just like swinging through rooftops busting up you don't want to see a different version of batman this is your batman i just think that it's going to seem trite after this do you guys not do you know do you know what i'm saying well i i totally feel you but i'm also super able to compartmentalize my batman too like i sure. like i love my batman animated series but that's different than batman 66 the tv show which i really like which is really really you know different than snyder and capullo's run uh, there's a backup story in this issue for the new Snyder Capullo run that's way different. Uh, it's called The Last Night on Earth, which I really love that preview, but totally different in tone and style yeah. than this. So so for you, it's just you can just compartmentalize. Just, exactly. This is just, a Tom King Batman, and exactly. I read this as one story, and then I move on to the next thing. For sure. I think I always thought that I could was good at that with superheroes across the board. Because you kind of have to be. Because you kind of have to be right? if you're going to read comics, yep. right? But now I don't know how to think about superheroes in the same way. Wow! After, after reading this stuff, yeah. King's bring. I mean, it's he's he's elevated, uh, just monthly. Yeah, superhero comics, and it just kind of reveals a lot of things about super about about this character in particular, and about superheroes in general that I had not really thought about. When it's 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 very interesting to me. What did you think, Marcus? What do you think of this issue? I'll, I'll, I'm right there with you. I liked it a lot. I I agree with Curtis in a way that Tom King has elevated. Batman, mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna be sad to see him leave the the run after a hundred issues. But I I think I'm more excited to see who he picks up next mm-hmm. because I liked Batman. I liked the Greg Capullo run. I thought it was nice. Um, but I want I want fucking Tom King to write literally any character at this point. So I'm kind of I'm excited for him to wrap it up. I liked this issue. It felt a little. Um, it has like an underlying vibe of the movie The Raid because he's like in Arkham getting his way out of it and mm-hmm. I liked that. He's going through hallways he's go- yeah, destroying he- <laughs> everything in his path. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I really, really dug it. Well, that's Batman. I love it. I love this Batman run. It's such a good run and you know, it really picks up, you know, volume three which is like, you know, issue 18 or something in the gra- you know in the graphic novels but I think this run is worth it all the way through, man. We're 60, almost 70 issues in and this is a solid, solid run of Batman. I don't know how I could. I this is a this comic book makes me feel like a dude that runs around punching bad guys is scary, and inevitable. This is this is what I think it is, mm-hmm. and it's going to be weird to for, to that to go back to being fun and to see any other superhero 
just do that for fun. Right. Because and I say that not just because of this issue or not as like a trite thing. That's the premise of the whole thing. Batman is crazy and uses violence and violence is so built into him. And he's just on the fucking raggedy edge of letting that completely drive him insane. Right. And it's all it's all he does. It's all he, just he does. Doesn't, the, like his the Bruce Wayne stuff is just a total micro part of his life. And it's a total facade. He is this crazy, violent filled dude who who his whole life is kicking ass or getting his ass kicked or watching his friends get killed. Yeah. Or watching other people get maimed. Uh, you know, this a couple issues back, the whole, you know, Dick Grayson getting shot in the head stuff. Yeah. Was fucking crazy. You know, and and the way that played out. So, yeah. And this is the framework of superhero comics. Like, superhero comics pivot around violence. And this is one of the few writers that's like, what if that is not okay? What if if we should not be cool with that? What if we should be kind of scared by that? Right. Because look what it does. Look what it can do to this guy that you love, that you've been rooting for. I was not fucking rooting for him in this book. No. And that's so interesting. No, yeah, get some help, man. Yeah. (laughs) Please. No, and I think the King's Run is this stuff sticks with you. You know, every comic book, it's every six issues. Like, no matter what happens, they kind of, like, wipe the slate clean and start over. Like, all the trauma and horrible stuff is just scar tissue on this character, and you still feel it. Every story, it builds and builds, and that's different. That's a different way to write a superhero comic. So, fucking Tom King, man. I love it. Good big pick, Nick. Thank you. You did a great job. Thank you. It's fun to have a big pick. <laughs> it is fun to have a big pick. Curtis, what was your big pick? <laughs> Man, I, I don't know how to follow that up. I also picked the Batman comic. I picked Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles team up, which is literally the opposite in every way <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> of the book you picked. <laughs> oh, you And don't bury the lead. It's, it's Batman TMNT 3. 3. So this is the third part of the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> trilogy. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, James Tinian, who we know from all kinds of stuff. He's He writes detective comics. This and... is a book that has no qualms about violence it... or about about people getting punched. No, no, and it's mostly punchy. It's not super... It's violent in like a in like a cartoon way. You know, there's people getting, you know, punched around and they're getting their butt kicked, but it's... Yeah, it's way more video game uh, fun or cartoon fun than like you know, actual lasting effects on people's psyches, right? Yeah. So, uh, what's this a book about? You, you can just jump right in here, but this is, we find ourselves in a, <laughs> in a, in a matched up world. This is the perfect jumping on point for new yeah. readers. Yeah. Um, Batman, uh, in this book, uh, the universes have have merged together. So the Turtles universe and the Batman universe are merged together. And Batman lives in the basement of Wayne Enterprises. It's like a bat cave, but it's like a bat kind of, Turtle Cave, and it's Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are have trained together under Master Splinter, who is the the Rat Sensei of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wait, right? so in this world, Splinter trained Batman? He did. So um, young Bruce Wayne found Splinter and the Turtles in the sewer, uh-huh. and then their kind of yeah. origin stories merged. So Splinter sort of plays the role of Alfred Pennyworth in this universe, and as you know, martial arts. He's guru. also a butler. He's a butler slash it's like martial you, arts master. Yeah, if you mixed Alfred with Rasha Ghoul, that's that's Splinter in this book. Plus rat. Plus, plus rat. rat. Plus rat. Can't forget rat. You know, dig, all the turtles it. have like a variation on their turtle costume that we all know, but like mixed with like a Robin looking costume. Yeah, they wear capes you know? and they're dope. They're super dope. Batman sort of got this, I don't know what it almost Steampunk's not the right word. Victorian, almost. Yeah, very much. Bat yeah. costume. He's a little bulky. He's a bulky Batman. You in know, this one. he's a little bulky. He's got a lot of armor on. 
Uh, he hangs out with the turtles. They eat pizza together. You know, Bruce meditates and gets advice from Splinter. And essentially, it's just your total classic, you know. So the combo villain in this is is a Shredder, which is the villain from the Turtles, right? He's this armored, you know, martial arts guy with spikes all over him. And uh, the Joker. So take the Joker from Batman and the Shredder and mix them together. And you've got... I don't know. They it's, don't name him. It's the, they do name it's him. The Smile Clan. It yes, is the, the Smile Clan. Clan. That's his gang. His gang instead yeah. of the Foot Clan from TMNT. It's it, the Smile Clan. Exactly. And uh, they're looking for a magic crystal for some reason because, of course, they are. Yeah, sure. And Batman keeps getting whiffs. It's like, something's not quite right here. I don't know exactly what's going on. <laughs> and the turtles are like, eat this pizza. And, um, yeah, that that's kind of way it opens with a bank heist with, you know, it's the hand ninjas and Harley Quinn like teaming up to steal the jewel. Fool, this has the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles characters in it all time, Bebop and Rocksteady. So, and they they are the true masterminds of this so? bank heist. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no How way. dare There's you talk no about this comic and not talk about Bebop and Rocksteady, the best characters? Bebop and Rocksteady is like a big rhino and a pig and a. Big pig. Yeah. Yeah, and one of them's Clayface, to be fair. He's, like, shape-shifted, so it's yeah. oh my God. The, the Batman villain Clayface, who's like a blob of clay who can take any form. I read this entire comic, and I have no idea what the fuck you guys are talking about. Are you? Hey, what? What? I had such a hard time figuring out what was going on Did you not watch comic. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid? I 100% did. I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja I know oh. who Bebop and Rocksteady are. I was reading this book, and I literally visually could not pick out that that was Bebop and Rocksteady. I was like, why is Batman wearing so many? clothes who are these monsters <laughs> he's so layered is that the joker and then the comic was over i was fucking <laughs> baffled have you read um volume one and volume two i read the first one yeah i don't remember splinter training batman for sure no this is different no this is this this picks up in a new place we don't know what's happening oh my god yeah dude they're just dropping us right in oh my lord yeah so it's a total goofball crossover i fucking love stuff like this I love dumb crossovers, and I think this is just super fun. It's a fun-ass comic. Do you have any trouble with the art in this book? Yes. You know, I really, really like it, but it's extremely stylized. I love the artist. is a guy named Freddie Williams, and I think he's great, but he has a he has a look. Yeah. You know, he's got a you know a funky style. The coloring's a little weird. Coloring's a little weird. The action was a little weird. I had a hard time telling like what was how we were moving around yeah, these different these different panels. Look at Raphael's dope new costume, though. I mean, they're all kind of wearing weird costumes. They're like all really... like Robin and Because the classic, uh, you know, TMNT thing is that like they're a turtle and then they've got just the mask. That's all they got. They've just got like the bandana with the eyes cut out. And you know each one because they have a different weapon. That's and how you know they have a different them. weapon and a yeah. different color usually, like for their eye bandana. Ex- yeah. And these dudes all have capes and like crazy armor. And I could not tell what was happening in this comic even a little bit. It was confusing to me. But you, did you dig it, Marcus? I thought it was fun. Yeah, I, it is a weird contract because I read Tom King's Batman first and then dove into TMNT. <laughs> sure, yeah. And it took my no, brain a while to like transfer over yeah, that yeah. this is a Batman, you know, who's been trained by Splinter and is here fighting like the the smile clan. You know, it's just such a different vibe. Yeah. That I I probably should have read Tom King, read the rest of my books. And then done this at the end. But I think this is a fun mashup. Like, weirdly enough, Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles share a lot of 
similarities. So they love sewers. They love yeah, being on rooftops. They love they, being ninjas or whatever. And you right. can and the, training. I, I think the biggest thing is you can tell that some thought has gone into these crossovers. Um, I, I really enjoy them. I think they're a lot of fun. I also love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so I'm probably viewing it with bias lens. Yeah. No, it's really neat. It felt like an episode of a cartoon. You know, there's a lot of, like, exposition, you know, like characters just being like, and we've got to get the magic crystal because of these reasons and this is why. And if we don't go over here, then this thing will happen, you know, because, you know, fine. So, <laughs> totally fun. Pick up volumes one and two if you're feeling spicy or just jump right in to this f- totally fine uh, jumping on point. That's what I say. You guys like Krang? I like Krang a lot. Did you ever play Turtles in Time? What's Turtles in Time? Super Nintendo game. Great game. I don't know if I did. Krang is one of the final bosses, and you fight him in a futurescape where Krang has taken over the cities. So you're on a hoverboard trying to collect pizzas and fight Krang at the same time. Makes Krang's sense. a talking brain in a robot. He's like a blob, body. and he talks yeah. like this a little yeah. bit. I'm Krang. I love Krang. He's really great. Krang. Not as good as Bebop and Rocksteady. Oh, we should also say that uh, the, he is way better than Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah, he's so he is stupid. objectively cooler this than Bebop and Rocksteady. We got to say the name of this story, and this is this at the end. So I read this whole comment. I was like, "This is so much fun. I love this so much." Final page, not giving away. Just going to say the title though. Crisis in a Half Shell is a great name for a DC Turtles nerd hybrid name because DC names all their crossovers Crisis on something, Crisis mm-hmm. with something, and then as we know, the Turtles tagline: Turtles in a Half Shell. Wait, is it? Heroes in a Heroes in a shell. Yeah. Yeah. Turtle power. Turtle power. I never understood that, too. They got a full shell. I've never thought about that before. Huh. We'll just let you... You guys... You yeah, I want them all on that. that. I'm yeah. like, that, that stunned me. I didn't know what to say there. Marcus, did you have a big pick? I did. Um, I really enjoyed Marvel Team Up featuring Spider-Man and Miss Marvel, but I would like to take my time mm-hmm. and move it to doing... An even better way, I think, to pitch this book. Okay. A way rooted in Super Skull history. Are you talking about a hot and nasty? I want to do a hot and nasty. All right, Marcus, you have exactly 30 seconds. I only got five books. Could go quick. You only got five books? Yeah. Get the rest of these books out there. All right, here we go. Marcus has 30 seconds to explain as many comics as he can. Mm -hmm. We're going to disqualify. Curtis, we'll let you disqualify any books that you find do not are not you know summarized properly. Should I, I'll just eh, when it happens. No, just let him know at the end how he fucked up. I got give you. Give these a shuffle for me. I'm gonna okay. go in blind. Right, yeah, give him a nice go. little okay. shuffle. So All Marcus right. is okay. holding a stack of comic books. He's gonna go through them and just he's gonna pitch them as fast as he can. Okay, and we are shuffled. All right. He has 30 seconds to do so. Marcus Schwimmer, yes. for your last hot and nasty. Your time starts now. Savage Avengers, this has uh, Conan in the Marvel Universe. It has a lot of blood. If you like 80s action movies, you'll probably like this book. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Batman Volume 3. It's kind of a mix of both of the Saturday morning cartoons that you really, really liked. War of the Realms, Strike Forcer, Strike Force and the Dark Elf Realm. Um, (laughs) She-Hulk and Blade are teamed up to fight evil Dark Elves from the realm of Asgard. Deceased, the best thing about this book is the Pokemon Detective Pikachu ad on the back. Marvel Team-Up featuring Spider-Man and Miss Marvel. Marvel Team-Up's a really historic run in the Marvel Universe. These are two of my favorite characters. Your time is up. I let you finish that last one. Thank you. Bit. That was really nice. You so did a great job. One, two, three, four, five books Rusty. in 30 seconds. I thought all of them were rock solid. Did you have a problem with he, any of them? Here's the thing. I love the blaze on DCs. 
But I don't think we can count it if we're getting technical. I'll count it because that book sucks. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Detective Pikachu ad on the back looks pretty dope, though. I'm weirdly hyped for that movie. I'll say it right now. For Detective Pikachu? That felt good. Did it feel good? It felt so good. Did you get those old feelings? The yeah. like the tenseness, the like the the excitement. It's so weird when you have to do a hot nasty. How like your fucking heart rate jumps, <laughs> yeah, and the, the stakes are non-existent. No. Like nothing's gonna happen one way or the other. Yeah. And yet the fucking the pressure gets on in a way that it just doesn't mm. otherwise. I love it. I uh, I don't remember what a good score is for hot and nasty. I have no idea. That sounds reasonable. We had a running total at one point mm-hmm. of like how we were doing and who was better at it or worse at it. I think we were in the teens at some point. Not in thirty There's seconds. No, oh, I think so. There's no way. There's I think no so. Fucking way. Well, I thought it was a very respectable show. Thank showing. you. You did very very well. Thank the you. final hot and nasty. Well Why did we stop doing the hot and nasty? I don't is know. What I'm wondering. <laughs> Probably because the I name of that. it is terrible. Oh, but. yeah, that's gross. <laughs> it's like so many disgusting <laughs> segment names that we have. That is gross. All right, do you guys want to uh, answer some listener questions? I would love that. Yeah, man, please. I would love that, too. So let's do our first one from Nate. I would not have included this, but I really like Nate's phrasing at the end of this question. Nate says, and he asks, if Super Skull as a whole was a beer, what type and or flavor would it be? This doesn't need to be read on the podcast, but I would like an answer of some kind, please. Nice. We could have just given him an email response. Yeah. He just wanted to know for him. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Nate, I'm going to break. I broke it down even more for you. I I think that I, Marcus, I'm a Pilsner. Why? Because you're Dullsville? Because of my deep German heritage and I'm very drinkable. All right. I accept it. Nick's an IPA. Sometimes it can be a little aggressive on the mouth. Yeah. But it's got some complexity to it. If you work on it, you can build a relationship <laughs> with it. it. That's really, really you nice. You got to grow to like like grapefruit, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Curtis is a lemon uh, summer shanty. I don't know what that is. It's just the ultimate lawnmower dad beer. It's just <laughs> you go, easy drinking. Easy drinking. You want to go and you want to slam eight or nine beers and take up an afternoon? I recommend a Curtis Sullivan lemon summer shandy myself. I think you nailed it. Yeah, that's Thank exactly you. what I want to do. But I would say Super Skull as a whole is a porter. A porter. Yeah, because it's a little sweet, but we always leave you full. Now, <laughs> I know fuck all about beer. Full of something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what A porter is like one of those dark, kind of yeah. heavier, thick... It doesn't have to chocolatey. be chocolatey. Doesn't have to be. Okay. You think right. I think you're thinking of a stout. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Porter's got usually a little bit of fruit. It's usually a little darker for sure, but it's still got a lot of that carb to it. It's gonna leave you a little full at the end of mm. it. Is a stout a a type of porter or is a stout a stout? It's stout's a stout. Okay. Yep. Like a Guinness is a stout. What kind of beer do you think Super Skull is, Curtis? Wow. I I haven't put zero thought into this. Uh you got you got nothing. I got nothing. No, you did not prepare for this question I mean, at all. I, you I saw just, it and you moved on with your I life. I did. I Marcus just elegantly laid it out. I oh, thought, okay. hey, it was a, the Marcus's baby word. Nick, you, you got a beer? I just thought like a sour beer because <laughs> we're a little nasty. <laughs> we are a little nasty. That's a really good point. Just a little bit. Yeah, I guess depending on on, on the Nate, I would say this. I would say depending on who's really running the show. If, if Marcus Schwimmer was running the show, it's a porter. If Nick Wybar's taking control. It's definitely a sour. Yeah. Because I like it I like it a little nasty. You like it a little nasty. Yeah. Wow. If Curtis, Curtis doesn't is, like beer. If, if Curtis, if, if like Curtis beer. is running, it's a tasteless, thin, <laughs> <laughs> low APP something or a other rule. domestic. Next question. Austin asks, this, was, this one came in hot off the presses. This one All almost right. didn't make it to the recording. Mm. It was like right as we were walking in the door. Austin asks, 
What is the best snack to eat while reading comic books all day? I think pretzels. Great question. Pretzels are my go-to comic book snack. Hmm, for pretzels. sure, because they don't leave your fingers... Don't well, leave your fingies greasy. They don't leave them greasy. Yeah. Do you just go dry? Is there any dip involved? There's no, no, no. Just like a pretzel. Like, just like a nice salted you pretzel. You don't like a dry-ass pretzel? I need. I want a little something. I want to dip it into something. Oh. I just like know? a nice salted pretzel. I love a nice salted pretzel. I think it's the per- it doesn't leave your fingers all crummy if the salt falls off. Yeah. No problem. I say get nasty. <laughs> okay, what is your go-to? Let's just go. I think if you're going to do it, you go soup. That's a terrible idea. Not like soup or like stew or chili or what, what's the soup? What are you talking? Split pea and ham? I didn't think about it any further than that. <laughs> what about you, Curtis? What's your comic reading snack? Wow. I don't know. I love hummus and pita chips. That's a go-to snack at my house all the time. I also just like dipping stuff. So if you have any dips, if you have blue cheese buffalo dip, if you have like uh, you can spinach You can just dip. eat the dip and then it's like my recommendation, which is kind of like, it's like food soup. It's like thick soup. Yeah. Thick cold soup. I need a dipper though. I need something to stick in there. I need no. a, like a like, like a, a spoon. Like a like a, yeah, like a metal spoon. Austin, I'm sticking with pretzels. I think a nice salted pretzel is the way to go. I you just think this question would be funnier somehow. <laughs> like there was something funny that you could get out of this, but no, nope, no, nope. it's a practical question. <laughs> it gets a practical, a practical answer. Yeah, he's not looking for humor. He wants a fact. Go and get the, a bag of pretzels. Go get a really nice high end bag of pretzels. High end. Now, do you go thick boys like one of those? Big stick pretzels? Or are you talking little guys? I'm, th- I'm talking waffle about- pretzels. No, no, fuck no. Your traditional nice curly Q pretzel. Your rolled gold. Your rolled gold, yeah, if you will, and you will dunk it into soup. Huh? Oh, now I yeah? like that idea. Like a nice salted pretzel. Then with we're a split, all we all all of us are in there at with that a point. Split pea soup, like a nice thick split pea soup. You know, Ch- chicken noodle soup. No, no, no. You got to get it to stay the on the pretzel. Possible soup. Ben asks. I would absolutely, well, he says, I would absolutely love a Marcus recommendation for my next comic book. He lists off a bunch of stuff that he loves, and we're not going to, I will give you just a little bit, just so that the a listener taste. gets give a taste, taste of yeah, like, yeah. what you're going to recommend him. Dark Knight Returns, the mm-hmm. seminal Batman book written by Frank Miller. Uh, we got Rock Candy Mountain, which is a hilarious book about a hobo trying to get his soul back from the devil or something. Letter 44 is a big sci-fi book. Um, about aliens invading our solar system. We got The Walking Dead, which is about zombies and one man becoming just like inexplicably rich for no good reason at all. What else? Uh, I think that that pretty much does it. Yeah. His, he wants to know, what's next for me? I'll buy whatever you recommend. This is a huge responsibility, It Marcus. is, and I thought about it. I, as I looked at Ben's list, I tried to look for some like some overarching themes. So I think Ben likes comic books that are a little darker. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple sci-fi books in here, and there's a lot of books in here that are kind of rooted in survival. The main character's trying to survive. Um, so I thought about it, and I think the book that you need to read, Ben, is called We Three by Grant Morrison. It has art by Frank Quitely, and it is about experimental animals that have, like, bio suits. Mech suits? They're like mechanized, weaponized house pets. Yeah. Yes. And they escape and they are out to try to figure out what's going on and achieve freedom. Yeah. Um, it's like Homeward Bound, but fucking metal. Yeah, it's super metal. It's a great book. I think you would love it and I feel very, very confident about recommending it to you. Wild Card, I think you should read Manifest Destiny number one, volume one, write in and tell Nick Wybar. 
that it is in fact accessible to everyone and not people who just like alternate history. For Manifest Destiny? Yeah. yeah. You may get a personal email. It's a great book. Manifest Destiny is a great book. I feel like you, you think it's less accessible than, than it is. Oh, well. And I think Ben is just the guy. <laughs> no, it looks like Ben is 100% the exact <laughs> dude that would already like Manifest Destiny. I don't Destiny. know if that's true. I think true. it's a great recommendation. I don't know if that's true. I think he's kind of 50-50, so I would like to bet you $5 that he'd love it. I'm not going to take that bet. I know he's going to love no, it. No, do a final bet with Marcus. We're going to do a better bet. If we're going to do a final <laughs> bet, it's going to be a better bet than that. If there's going to be a yet one more bet that Marcus is not going to pay me for mm-hmm. or honor his debt. We should also take this last episode to say that a long time ago, yeah. we made a bet on this show about who's the wrestler. Uh, uh, Chris Jericho? No, CM Punk. It CM was Punk. CM Punk started, took over writing some book. I can't he, even remember. Drax. It was Drax. Yeah. There was a new Drax book, and CM Punk was going to write three issues of it mm-hmm. or something. And Marcus is like, by issue two, that dude is in a wrestling There's ring. There's definitely going to be wrestling. And I said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It was issue five. Whatever. Yes. And he, it didn't happen. Marcus lost the bet. The terms of the bet mm-hmm. was that Marcus had to write a book report on CM Punk. A yep. full page, single spaced. I'm just laying out to you now. Yeah. And this is going to be what our listeners remember about you because mm-hmm. they're going to forget who you are very quickly. Oh, I'm sure they will. And that what, what they're going to remember about yeah. you is that you welched on I, this bet. Unless yeah. you send in that book report and that window is open to you. We'll record you reading it, or I'll read it on the air and acknowledge that you have acted as a man (laughs) and and honored your debts. Okay. Um, I would just hope that the listeners... Yeah, I guess I'm stuck on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I have have no excuse other than I certainly don't want to write a book report on CM Punk. That is the point of the bet. Nobody wanted to write a book report on CM Punk. (laughs) You constantly get yourself into trouble. I know, every time. There's a taco eating contest that I'm just briefly going to bring up. Uh, There's Manny Petty's on the table here. There's there's so many, Marcus. Manny Petty's going to happen. It's problematic. One page book yeah. report on CM oh, Punk. Fuck. All right. If you want to honor your <laughs> debts, fine, fine. We'll God. See. Next question. Let's do the next question. Christian asks, uh, "Hey, super hunks." Wow. Oh, thank you. Very nice. Thank you. I think that's a great way to uh, write any email to Super Skull. Bummed to hear Marcus is leaving the show, but wishing him well on all his future endeavors. Thank you, Christian. Since I'm a long-term listener, I've enjoyed the vastly different comic tastes that Marcus and Nick. Bring to the podcast. My question is, what is the biggest argument Nick and Marcus have gotten into over a particular comic book or series of comics? So many over the years. Lots and lots of them. That's what happens when one person has good taste, one person has bad taste. Yeah, I would agree with that statement, actually. Yeah, yeah I think we're both agreed. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> argument over. I had a hard time thinking of a particular comic book or series. Um but I do, we have had a long-standing argument that we've kind of come back to over and over again over the years. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? I, yes, and I think that that argument is rooted in the importance or perceived importance of nostalgia yes. in comic books. I think that it is a poisonous, stunting thing for any medium of art that holds us back, not only culturally, but as a species. Yeah, and I think it's something that is- That is a sweeping indictment. You know, Please continue. Something that's nice to go to to draw from the past to make us feel safe and comfortable and warm and fond memories. And, and, you know, we can use that to move the thing forward. 
But it's nice to be able to go back and, and feel comfortable in those moments of nostalgia. I don't think it's toxic. I think, if anything, it probably brings people into the medium mm-hmm. when we explore things from their past that they're already interested in. That's the crux of the argument. <laughs> yeah, that's what I have to. I have until the end of time to, to keep making this argument. Yeah. So I'll let you have the last word on that. Yeah. Um, God, I love shit from the 80s and 90s. And yes, you do. I, I love comic books uh, that, that tackle that stuff. And as someone who has worked in your comic shop, I, I feel very confident in saying that I think those types of books bring more new readers into the medium um, than they push away or do any kind of harm. It seems rather overdramatic, dare I say, to think that they actually do harm to the I industry. I want to say so many things, but I said I'd let you have the last, <laughs> you, last word, so I'm going to let you have it. <laughs> oh, I have so many things <laughs> to say. That was a fine closing argument, Marcus. Thank you. Say. Very nice. Thank you. It was fucking nonsense let's move on so christian also asks this is also from christian he sent us two questions uh got a quick question for you guys just came into my possession a very large collection of comics ranging from the early to mid 90s he lists off some of the uh, the titles that are in the collection with that being said what are the titles i have to read from that period of comics that image and vertigo have put out because life's too short for bad comics thank you christian Mm -hmm. so i cruised through so i think some of this stuff is on his list and some of this stuff is not i'm just thinking about what are some crucial reads from the 90s from the 80s and 90s yeah on his list the thing that i was most excited to see Mm -hmm. was it seems like he has single issues of the series bone yeah um and bone is one of those weird books that usually gets put in the all ages or at some comic shops the kids section that fucking Everyone should read. Bone is fantastic. It's so good. It's it's a great adventure comic. I think it, it you can probably draw a line from Bone coming out and being as successful as it was to people starting to invest in all ages graphic novels and see, I don't know if we're at that point that we're at today without Bone. That's probably true. Um, and I say, but what that, about some new titles? I, what does he need to read? Bone's great, but he's got Bone. Yeah, I, I also think it's not uh, Vertigo, but my favorite comic book of all time is Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come's right in that zone, too. And Gotta read it. You have to read that book if you're into 90s comics. I have agree. to. Kingdom Come is really, really good. Um, I think Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is in the conversation. Absolutely. Sure. That is a, that is a, that was late 80s, I want to say, mm-hmm. mid to late 80s. Yep. Um, and the hype is real on that book. You've probably heard about it at some point, and it is, it's, I think it holds up. Even and, still. Absolutely. And if you're one of those folks who's kind of, you know, uh, just goes back to the bone thing a little bit, it's just you're, if you're interested in kind of things that changed comics, you know, it, it, you're going to love the comic anyways, but you're going to see like, hey, things were different after, this is an important book for comics, things were different after this book yeah. came out. Writers and artists took note of what Alan Moore and uh, the artists were doing on that book. Yeah, Alan Moore was on the come up at that point, but mm-hmm. but he is like firmly cementing himself as like a generational writer at that point of like somebody that was going to change how comics were written, like you say, Curtis, For sure. uh, with this book. Mm-hmm. Um, Transmet is from that, from Transmetropolitan by Warren Ellis and Derek Robertson. Yeah, you nailed is that it. the artist? Um, you think that book holds? I haven't read it in a really long time. I think that the first like 10 issues at least totally hold up. I think it starts to wane a little bit towards the middle end. It's like it's a long run. It's a yeah, 60 issue run. For sure. Um but there's nothing like it. Regardless, I think it's must it's required it's reading read. because there is it's like singular. Like no other book is like Transmetropolitan. Absolutely. I just sat down with the first graphic novel, you know, maybe 6 months ago and it 
tore me up. Still holds up. So it's a sci-fi comic that was written over 10 years ago, 15 years ago probably, in the in the technology and the stuff that it's uh, showing you. It's like hard science fiction, you know, which I never thought when I was reading it originally. Like there's shit in there that's happening right now or about to happen. It still feels relevant. It still feels on point. Yeah. Like it's the science fiction doesn't feel dated. Yep. And uh, and it's just fun and gross and gonzo and over the top. and. Yep. It all pivots around like this journalist. He's kind of a Hunter Thompson-esque gonzo journalist messing with, you know, all kind of like pivoted around this cyberpunk future kind of. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's rad. I think it's pretty cool. It's just been, I remember really, I remember rereading the first volume and thinking like, oh, I'm surprised by how well this holds up. Yep. I can confidently recommend that one for yeah. sure. Concrete is really, really good too. That's a little bit earlier. That's like eighties and only a little bit into nineties. That's on my still uh, must read list. I've never read Concrete and it's, it's a glaring hole in my, my own personal comic book Concrete, reading list. Uh, I'm going to loan you those books. Concrete by Paul Chadwick. Um, they're kind of hard to come by nowadays, but it's about this dude who basically gets turned into rock. He basically gets turned into like a version of the thing. But he decides that he wants to, like, become a celebrity and make a living off of it. And he can't really be a superhero. When he tries to be a superhero, he kind of fucks it up. It's it's a very based-in-reality kind of slice-of-life kind of book. But he lives this impossible, uncomfortable lifestyle as this sad rock monster. Uh, it's really, really interesting. And mm. it was coming out well before anybody was, like, deconstructing superheroes, right? For sure. I think, the, I think those all play. Yeah, I agree. Should we do another one? Yeah, this is. I'm very excited for this one. So Timothy says that he says, "Hey, Super Skull homies, we prefer Super Hunks." Timothy, <laughs> uh, been a regular listener of the show for the past six months, and he asks, "What would each of you consider to be your top favorite movies?" I understand this question can be overwhelming, but if you listen to your hearts, I have confidence you will be victorious. Wow! Thank you, Timmy. P.S. Marcus, you will be missed. Thank you. Tim, Timothy, I'll miss you too. So uh, usually I hate questions like this, mm. but uh, I kind of had fun <laughs> yeah. thinking about it. I had it. to think about it for a minute, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great question and really sound advice there at the end. I mean, we don't usually get, you know, real kind of like affirmations at the end of a listener question. Listen to your hearts so. and you will be victorious. Great. Which is the premise to every movie that we selected. Does um, I'm going to say being John Malkovich. Oh yeah, I've yeah. seen this movie I think twice. Yeah, now and I will openly say that I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it, and I don't like it. <laughs> and I'll own that. Yes, I'll fucking own that. Hey, no, fucking I, yeah. yeah, I love that so much. Yeah, <laughs> it is. The, this movie does. I was dating a young lady who was, uh, I will say, an intellectual. <laughs> thought herself to be an intellectual. And goddamn, did this movie bore the fuck out of me. Did wow. you say it at the time or did you keep it in and be oh, like... Oh, I kept it in. Oh, I was yeah. trying to... trying to. <laughs> Absolutely one of my favorite movies of all time. Really? <laughs> yeah. Fuck, easily. But I also uh, think... Of, I, I also like to pretend that I'm an intellectual. So. Curtis, what about you? Give I'm, I'm going to go lowball. I'm going to go RoboCop. RoboCop. Uh, just like a uh, guy... You don't need cop. to give the fucking premise to RoboCop, bro. Everybody... Oh, it's really old. I didn't know if everybody's seen it. Go see RoboCop. It's great. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to do two more because it's my last episode. What are you going to do? Fire me. I really love A River Runs Through It, uh, directed by Robert Redford about fly fishing in Montana. My favorite movie of all time, hands down, movie I've seen the most is Top Gun. I'd watch Top Gun with all of you right now, and I'd watch Top Gun with all of you tomorrow. 
You love Top Gun. I love so Top Gun much. so <laughs> it's, fucking much. It's like not a good movie, but it's weirdly one of my favorite movies. It's yeah. a it's great <laughs> movie, but it's terrible. Lee, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Word. If if we were on Top Gun, Nick, you would be Iceman for sure. I don't really know what that means. Oh my! It's the Val Kilmer character. It's he's the, like a hothead. Oh, okay. He's like thinks yeah. he knows everything. I've never seen Top Gun. You what? You've made you've made that sound at me many times. We're watching Top Gun. We are watching. Just Top show up Gun. at his house with Top Gun. Yeah, man. I'm good. Last so time hot. I showed up at his house, he was very grumpy about it. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Well, that is the end of the questions, and we're at the end of the road. Wow. Marcus, here we are. How you doing? I'm doing great. Do you have one more? Uh, well, I'll, we'll do. Let's do some recommendos. Okay. To take us out. Yeah. Even though we just did that very indulgent thing about movies that, sure. that nobody else cares about. Um, Curtis, do you have a recommendo that is not a comic book and is not a board game to take us out? Yeah, I only the only thing I do is read comics and do board games, but then I also eat food all the time. And we've been the grill is back out, and we've been rocking some dry aged steaks. And I just encourage folks to, if you like meat, uh, get a dry-aged steak somewhere. I recommend a New York strip. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect way to begin your dry-aged journey. It's can, just great flavor. Can you dry your own aged steak? Can you age your own dried steak? I think I think you can, but I there's you, you haven't done so. No, there's like science involved. Like oh, it's really? Like there's climate control. It? You can't just like leave a steak in the garage. You can't just hang it off a, a clothes hanger off a fan or something. I don't think that's gonna work. No. Huh? Yeah. Okay. So dry-aged steak, do it. Cool. Um, I have a recommendo. What's your recommendo? I recommend um, making a podcast for five years with two of your best friends. Aww. I agree with that. I de- uh, this has been a pleasure, Marcus. This has Thank been so you. much fun. And uh, it has been week in and week out, um, the highlight of my week. And I'm going to miss you like crazy doing this project with you. But I'm so proud of this thing that we've done together. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, when I look back at the things that I have done in my, in my life, my 31-year-long life at this point, one of the things that I'm hands down the most proud of is doing this podcast for 233 episodes mm-hmm. and all the other stuff that we have done along with it and, and listeners that I've met in the shop and just around. Um, I I. I I couldn't leave more proud. So my recommendation is, Mm -hmm. um, because I am excited to do it, is I'm excited to continue to listen to Super Skull, and I couldn't be more happy um, and more comfortable leaving knowing that Aaron Polk is going to take my seat over. Hey, can we bring Aaron Polk on the podcast right quick? Because I am a fan of Aaron Polk and how that dude thinks about comics. So I, I am I recommend continuing to listen to Super Skull. Not that I thought that any of you would leave, but I am so juiced to see what you guys do with this show um, with Aaron in the in the third seat. So mm-hmm. and I hope that sometime in the future you will invite me back if there's a gap. Um, and and maybe we can do this again once in a while. We'll yeah. Aaron, uh, are you ready to be on Super Skull every week? Hell yes. Cool. Comics are great. So, and this is also hanging in the air a little bit. We're going to keep making Super Skull. We sure are. We're going to uh, keep it going uh, on a weekly basis for a while, and we're going to kind of evaluate from there and decide uh, how things might change. You might hear some format changes, but for sure, um, Aaron is going to be a regular host on the podcast, and I'm really excited about that. I am also really excited about that. Aaron, how do you feel about it? I feel really good. I feel like Marcus has left some pretty big shoes to fill, but I I hope that I can... Bring something interesting to the table. You know, comics are really amazing and should be accessible to everybody. And, you know, 
I think as a creator of comics, I bring something a little different this time. And I think you do. Aaron, that's what I'm most excited about listening to this show with you in this seat is you and I have had so many great conversations about comics. We see the industry in totally different ways. I am a fan of comics. You work in this industry and like I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on some of the stuff that's going on in the industry right now as someone who like works in the trenches of comics. So l- honestly, the trenches. I, I like I could not be more happy with who's going to be in this seat and I I very much look forward to seeing what you do with it. So Thank you. The baton is yours and I'm about to cry. So let's wrap make him cry. this up. So we make make him cry. Well, I'm I'm going to try to make him cry. But we so Marcus worked at the shop when we first started doing this project, mm-hmm. right? This was four and a half years ago, five years ago, something like that. And we did it uh, week in and week out for a very, very long time. And then Marcus stopped working at the shop for a number of different reasons. And it didn't seem, it. we, we just kept the thing going. We just kept the podcast thing going like without a hitch. And I just want to thank you for that. Like, that was not something that we had to do. That was not something that you had to do. I mean, that was something that, like, that that was a choice that was, like, not obvious. And it's a lot of work. Like, we know that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time every single week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just to pull the curtain back a little bit, nobody's getting rich off Super Skull. This is something that we just do to have this project together. Right. And uh, it, it means a lot that you that you stuck with it and did it for as long as you, as long as you did. I just couldn't be happier and proud prouder of uh, having you do this with us for so oh, long. It's been my pleasure. Any, uh, the chance to do this with you with you guys in particular, um, I started working at Vault of Midnight and you guys were my mentors and my teachers. And, um, you know, I, I just said it to my own father today that the thing that makes me the saddest about leaving Super Skull is um, not not that I'm leaving because I, I, I'm very proud of what we did, but I really feel like you guys are brothers to me, and this journey has cemented us in a really, really special way. So I just, you know, I'm going to still be around, and I, I can't wait to spend more time with you guys doing other stuff, but you guys are honestly family, and I think this podcast has a, a big part to do with that. I so. just, Honestly, like, we barely knew each other when you first started working yeah, at the shop. No, and barely. Like you, and you weren't at the shop for very long before we started doing this project together. And it is, like, over the course of this thing, I feel like I gained, a, like, a brother. And yeah. It's, yeah. that's very, very rare, and, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's there's, nothing, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah. Um, who would have known? That was not my intent when we started this podcast. <laughs> yeah. When you started uh, as a customer at Vault of Midnight, right. Nick's long game. And he, and as he soon said, as I saw you, I was like, we're going to get that guy. Yeah. guy. First, we're going to court him. We're going to take him out for drinks and, and, and see if he'll work at the comic store. And then, then we'll work him to death, mm-hmm. you know, long hours That's right. in, the, in the comic minds. And then we'll get him to do a podcast for four and a half years. Uh, for yep. essentially no money. Mission accomplished. And it and, all paid off. Yeah, and, and now Curtis plan. is like checking in with me to see when I'm going to have kids because he wants grandkids. And I like, do yeah. indeed. Yeah, yeah, hurry it up, It's buddy. just, I, I, I love, I'm, I, I love what we have done here and I am so happy about it. And I, I wish you guys nothing but the best going into the future with whatever you decide to do with the show. And I, I, I thank the listeners, um, listeners stopping me and saying hi and i've been stopped in grocery stores i've been stopped at the shop i've had people come out and reach out to me on free comic book day um thank you listeners for listening to this show because it's been a ride for me and i know that uh, i hope that it's been an enjoyable ride for you because it has been my pleasure to do what i can on this show to uh try to make it fun so 
Thanks, buddy. Thank you. You've done a great job, man. And I want to say just personally, you know, thanks for having a big giant heart and uh, letting us be a part of it. Because, like, seriously, you you know, as far as hearts go, man, you got one of the biggest ones I've I've ever had the uh, pleasure of knowing. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of things I know about Marcus Swimmer. He likes pickled Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. He, uh, for some reason, has a giant nutcracker collection. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he loves taking train tours of Europe. Mm-hmm. But all that stuff, uh, I mean, that's you, that makes you who you are. But, man, it's the heart, buddy. Uh, I want you to laugh more at comic books with, uh, with dicks in them. Okay. That's the only thing. <laughs> all right. Uh, going forward. Uh, but, man, keep that heart, brother, because that, uh, that will serve you well going forward. Thank you so much. Excellent. Let's close it out. Let's close it out. Curtis, you want to stick with dry dry, dry aged steaks with your recommendo, though? I, I, guess, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. That was a great. Thanks for letting me go first. Yeah, I really no, appreciate it, so I couldn't fucking change that one. No, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's really cool, nice. It's cool, it's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is going to do it for us this week. Our producer, our editor, is, and our new co-host is Aaron Polk. Our music was created by A-Bomb. Super Skull is recorded every week at the Ann Arbor District Library. Please subscribe, download, and review The Super Skull Show on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. Spotify. I was going to say SoundCloud again, and I just had to work in there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and our website. Super Skull Show is how you find us. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996. My name is Nick Weibar. And I'm Curtis Sullivan. And for the last time, I'm Marcus Schwimmer. And we wish you very good reading until next week. And happy trails, Marcus Schwimmer. Do stormy weather. That's a James Bond theme song. I just watched it do there. I went from NPR to James Bond. I was going to say, when you say that it's NPR every time, but it's totally the intro to The Muppet Show, Marcus. It's not. Stormy weather is not the intro to The Muppet Show. Oh, what Marcus does? Yes. Yeah, what's the thing you normally do? That's what it sounds like. Is that the Muppet Show or is that Fraggle Rock? It's time to say the music. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's time to set the lights. It's time to get started on the Muppet Show tonight. That theme song owns. That's a great fucking theme song. It's a great intro. Gonzo's different every time. Anyways. Yeah. Did you know that was written by Billy Joel? Shut your fucking mouth. There's no way that's true. No, it's not true. We're going to move on.